So, um, as we do every week in our worship, we want to we want to take time and express um, express humility by saying before God that we we don't have the wisdom we need to be the people we want to be. Um, that, that may not be the way that you're used to thinking of a sermon or a reading from the Bible as an expression of humility. Maybe you're used to thinking of it as a, this kind of a rule book and um, somebody's going to use it to beat me up, tell me how awful I am or tell me how the good they are and shouldn't I be like them. But honestly, what this is, is an expression of humility, saying to the God of the universe, we cannot get this right this being human life. We can't get this right unless you teach us. And uh, so we want to pause and ask him to do that before we read our scripture text for the day. Let's do that. Father, give us real humility, um, not the pretend kind that says on the surface that we aren't proud and arrogant and looks for sneaky ways to let our pride and arrogance shine through. Um, make us really humble. Um, some of us have embraced the humility that says we, we need the Scriptures to reshape us. Some of us aren't yet sure about Scripture, but we are beginning to taste that humility. And so no matter where we are coming from this morning spiritually, we ask that you would help us to take the next step in this spirit of humility that says we are not wise in our own eyes. We don't have this all figured out. We need to be reshaped and refashioned. Um, Lord, remake us in the image of Jesus, uh, who is the expression of perfect humility. We pray in his name. <clears throat> Amen. <clears throat> so I have a confession to make. I did not wear my warmest pajamas Today, even though it is very cold, my warmest pajamas are a mouse onesie, <laughs> complete with, you know, a nose that, because it's not a very expensive garment, points straight up at the ceiling when you're wearing it. Um, I thought it might be distracting <laughs> if I wore that this morning. We want to focus on good news about Jesus. It's hard to do that if we're distracted. For some of us, we're, we're about to read a story about angels visiting shepherds. And just that word angel could be that sort of distraction. And you might be thinking, it's hard for me to take seriously anything about good news related to Jesus when we're talking so much about angels, because the first thing that might pop in your mind when you hear about an angel is a chubby little baby with Wings too small to hold its body up. Um, or maybe when I say angel, you think of like this fantasy art warrior with bulging biceps. Use your imagination for a minute. Big sword um, and wings big enough to hold up its body and several others. Or maybe when I say angel, you're thinking it's a wonderful life and Clarence and he's trying to earn his wings. Um, but, if, but it may be hard for you to take seriously any story that features angels because you're wondering, are, are, is that real? 
Um, so before you even get started reading, let's just take a minute to think about angels. We don't have to believe everything that every human being has ever imagined to be true about angels. But Jesus believed in angels. He spoke about them frequently. We're reading from Luke's gospel. There are five different occasions in Luke's gospel where Jesus speaks about angels. In Matthew's gospel, the number goes up. There are eight different teaching moments where Jesus speaks about angels. He believed in angels. He taught about them often. And um, the key marker of Christianity is not belief in angels. It's love for Jesus. It's because we love Jesus that we want to take seriously everything he teaches us. So when he teaches us that there are powerful supernatural beings that really exist in our universe who serve God, their creator, we take that seriously. And we know what it is to be human, right, is, is that we are physical, we have bodies, but we're more than just physical. There's something about us that we could call mind or intellect or spirit. Um, and if it's possible for mind or spirit to be joined to a body, then it's possible that God could create beings that are spirits without bodies. That's what angels are. So, um, hopefully that will help us to uh, not be as distracted now when we hear not about chubby babies or fantasy art warriors or even Clarence. Um, We hear about the angels who came to sing and celebrate at the birth of Jesus and to bring good news to shepherds. We'll visit them in just a minute, but for now, let's... um, Let's hear our scripture reading. Jim. Our scripture this morning is from a passage that our family reads every Christmas morning. So it's good to be together in Luke chapter 2. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. This is the word of the Lord. So let's visit the shepherds for 
a moment. Um, they are, Luke tells us, um, <clears throat> out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, that's a good way to say it in English. It's not what Luke wrote. He wrote, they were out in the field keeping watches, which is the perfect way to describe how shepherds did their work. They divided the night up into watches, and um, they would take turns sleeping and staying awake. So as we visit our shepherds, we're going to find some of them sleeping because it's not their watch, and some of them awake because it's their watch. For two or three hours, they're awake in the middle of the night, and then um, we might see some of them shaping, shaking their buddies and saying, hey, sleepyhead, wake up. It's my turn to sleep now, and your watch, your turn to watch the sheep for a few hours in the middle of the night. And then all of a sudden, there's an explosion of light and an angel who makes them shake with fear. Some of them are still trying to rub sleep out of their eyes, and what in the world is going on? And no wonder they're afraid. And the angel is saying, Don't be afraid. Look, I'm here bringing you good news. And then a whole army of angels. Heavenly host is a, a traditional way of saying it, but host means army. A whole army of angels are singing this good news. It's good news for two kinds of people people who think they don't deserve it and people who think they don't need it. What's the good news? I'll summarize it this way. Every person in every place who comes under the rule of Jesus will have everything they need forever. That's a lot of every's and ever's, right? Every person, every place. who comes under the rule of Jesus, will have everything they need forever. How do we know that that's a good summary of this good news? Well, first of all, the, the angels are speaking about joy and glory and peace. Verse 10, don't be afraid. Behold, fancy word for look, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people Every person in every place has access to this great joy. And then when the angel army shows up singing, they start singing about glory to God that is happening in the highest places in the heavens because Jesus has been born. And they start singing about peace that is found on earth because Jesus has been born. This is a vision of everlasting, eternal joy and glory and peace that is being inaugurated with the birth of Jesus. It will be completed with the return of Jesus. But these are signs pointing to the fact that the world needs someone to rule it in such a way that everybody everywhere has access to everything they need not just for a little while, not just for a moment or a day, but forever. And the angel's good news is summarized by talking about the fact 
that a Savior has been born, who is Christ, the anointed King, and the Lord. When you use language like that to people who are steeped in the traditions of the Old Testament, they understand what you are saying. You are talking about someone who will rule not just over one tiny little place, but over the entire planet. And not just for a little while, but forever. That's the good news. That any person living anywhere can have everything they need forever because of the rule of Jesus. That's good news. (laughs) Who's it for? Well, it's for people who think they don't deserve it. It's for people who think, I'm not good enough. That news may be good. But it's good for somebody else. It can't be good for me. Because I just don't measure up. How, how would we know that this good news is for people like that? Let's think about the fact that the angels say... Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. City of David. Who is David? He was a Jewish king. The Jewish people had God's prophets. They had access to God's word, to God's laws for centuries. The Jewish people had God's priests. They had God's temple. Worship according to God's own instructions. Like, Luke, would it be nice if every week God would just send down the order of worship for, for every Sunday? We didn't have to put that together. Like, so for centuries, here are, here are God's people with, with access to his word, with access to worship designed according to his own instruction with priests that he himself had appointed, and they had his king starting with King David and all of his heirs and descendants. Um, <clears throat> these were people who had, had good reason to think that they were going to experience this kind of blessed life of having everything we need forever. We're on the right track. We are, we're heading the right direction. Here's a description of what life under the king descended from David, should be like. It's from Psalm 89. I'll just read a few verses of it. God says, I will make him, this king, on David's throne, the firstborn. Remember Luke said that Mary gave birth to her firstborn son? Why was that little detail added, firstborn? Hmm. Firstborn is a way of saying He's the king. This is the king God's always been telling us about. I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. My steadfast love I will keep for him forever. My covenant will stand firm for him. This king who would reign in David's line forever. I will establish his offspring forever and his throne as the days of the heavens If his children forsake my commandments and don't walk according to my rules, if they violate my statutes and don't keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes, but I will not remove from him my steadfast love. 
the Jewish people had God's prophets and his priests, and they had this kind of king about whom God had said, even if everybody else disobeys and I have to punish them, I will never forsake my love for this king. But after centuries of forgetting God, it looked like God had forgotten this promise. That's when Psalm 89 was written. Psalm 89 was written after the Babylonians had enslaved all of God's people and taken them prisoners thousands of miles away from their home country. And Psalm 89 goes on to say, But God, you have renounced the covenant with your servant David. You have defiled his crown in the dust. And then it asks a question. How long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? See, if if you were alive at the time that these shepherds were, you would be thinking, um, we haven't had any prophets for 400 years. Once our people had access to the prophets, but we haven't heard a thing from a prophet for 400 years. And once we had this great king, David and his descendants, but there hasn't been a king on David's throne for 600 years. It looks like we did something so bad that caused God to break his unbreakable love. He said he would never forget the king, and it looks like he forgot the king for six whole centuries. If there is good news coming into this world, we have done something so bad that we can't be part of it. We don't deserve it. We were that faithless to God, so wicked in his sight, that he said... You had your chance to please me, and you blew it. And I'm finished with you, so finished with you, that I'm even going to forget the king I said I would never forget. And these sleepy-headed shepherds hear an angel saying, Today in the city of David, the king you think God has forgotten. A Savior is born. He is Christ the Lord. And this is great news of great joy for all the people. Not just the people who are good enough. Not just the people who think they deserve it. Not just the people who did everything right when God gave them a chance. Great joy for all the people. Do you have moments like that when you're thinking to yourself, um, I had my chance to please God and I blew it. I had an opportunity to kind of move closer to him at one stage of my life. And I tried it for a little while, but then I kind of just said, never mind. And so he's probably done with me now. I probably don't get another chance. You have those moments when you think, 
if, if anybody knew the real me, they would know that I am beyond forgiveness. There's, there's no way you can erase some of the things that I have done or wanted to do or wished would happen to people I don't like. When you have those moments, can I remind you of what these angels are saying? These powerful, supernatural beings sent by God say, the glory and the joy and the peace that Jesus is bringing into this world is good news for all the people, and that includes you. Even if you think you don't measure up. It's good news for people who think they don't deserve it. It's also good news for people who think they don't need it. Some people are going to say, I'm not good enough, and some people are going to say, I am too good for this. I don't need Jesus. I, I am, I've moved beyond all of this stuff. Well, at the time that Luke wrote this gospel, who was ruling the land where Jesus was born? The Romans. In fact, this whole chapter begins with a reference to the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, in verse one. That's why Jesus is born in Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph had to travel there because Caesar said, everybody go to your hometown so we can tell you how much tax money you owe the empire. The Romans looked down on the Jewish people. They thought, your religion is inferior. You have only one God. We have thousands. They thought, your culture is inferior. You are a poor country. Uh, agriculture and uh, farming, livestock. Um, you're kind of backwards. No famous philosopher ever came from your land. You're a small nation and weak. After all, you, you don't have an army. And you haven't had a king for 600 years. Whereas they would say, our emperor is the kind of king who can rule the whole world. There was a, a rock found in a city in Turkey with words carved into it. Words saying, we changed our calendars. Now, this rock was carved about 12 years before Jesus was born. And this, the, um, the mayor of this city was saying, we changed our calendars because our emperor, Augustus, was sent into our world by the gods to be a savior who would put an end to war. He would bring peace. And since his birthday was good news, for the world, those are the words they carved into the stone. We are now going to reset all our calendars so that uh, the year one begins the year he was born. Um, if you were a Roman citizen, you would be asking yourself, why do we need a peasant baby born in this tiny little nowhere town of Bethlehem 
celebrated by a few shepherds when we have our mighty Augustus, the emperor, who can rule the whole world. And he is worthy of honor. The the word Augustus means worthy of honor. We are strong, we are rich, we are educated, we have moved beyond the need of your tiny little God. Do you know anybody like that? Do you ever feel like that? I mean, honestly, we're all tempted to think like that every day. We live in a world that's constantly telling us. We've moved beyond the need for stories like this. We can find better ways to manage the problems of the world than running back to superstitions about Jesus or angels or God or Bibles. Um, We can figure this out for ourselves. We're more advanced than any of this. Uh, If you aren't tempted to think like that, then you may not live in this moment, in this place. You may be a visitor from another century or a visitor from another culture. Um, Or you're just not being honest. I don't see how it's possible to live in our time and place and not be tempted every day to think, I'm too good for this. I don't need this. Listen to what the angels say. Every day when we're tempted to think that this good news is for other people but not for us, we're going to be tempted to think it's for inferior, uneducated, weak, unsophisticated people, and therefore not for me because I am strong and sophisticated and wise. Or every day it's for good people, people who please God, not for people like me because I had my chance and I blew it. The angels are going to say to us every day, we are bringing good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Not just the good people. Not just the backward people. Not the sophisticated ones or the unsophisticated ones. Not the Roman ones or the Jewish ones. All the ones. All the people including the ones who think they don't need it, including the ones who think they aren't good enough for it. This is good news. Can we visit the shepherds one more time? I think we might learn something from them. Um, What is the first thing they do when the angels go away from them into heaven? Verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing they were talking about. Their first response is, go find the baby. Focus on Jesus. The first response isn't, ooh, I wonder if we're good enough. Y'all go ahead. You go see that baby, but I think God is done with me. I had my chance to please him, and I blew it. So I'm just going to stay here with the sheep, and y'all go on. The first response wasn't, well, if you're gullible enough to believe in angels, and if you're gullible enough to think that after 600 years, God would keep his promise, 
that a king would be born in the city of David, if you'll believe that kind of stuff, then you go right ahead. I'm too good for that. The response isn't, hey, let's all sit here and evaluate our own goodness. And some of us might say we're too good, and some of us might say we're not good enough. The response is, this is good news. Let's not focus on ourselves. Let's go see this king. Let's go find this baby. If there is someone whose rule over this world can give every person in every place everything they need forever, the right response isn't, I'm not sure if I deserve this. I'm not sure if I need this. The right response is, let's focus on that person. And so they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. They said, Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Jesus is the Savior whose birth means good news of great joy for all the people. That includes people like you and me. That's good news. And it should lead to great joy. Let's take a minute and give thanks for that. Lord Jesus, thank you for your patience with us when we think that we have outgrown you, that we don't need to be rescued by you. I thank you for your mercy that seeks us out when we think that we don't deserve you, that we have somehow disappointed you so deeply that you could never forgive us. Lord Jesus, thank you for being a redeemer for all kinds of people in all kinds of places. Thank you for offering yourself to us, not just long ago, but even here and now today. To those of us who have never taken you seriously before, you offer yourself today. And to those of us who know you, but need to know you more deeply and more closely, and to reunite ourselves to you and reacquaint ourselves with you, you offer yourself again. We are amazed at your goodness, and we pray in your name. Amen.